This is Sick and Wrong, the world's number one source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by the Reach Around Foundation. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. I'm the other host, Lance Wackerly. So what do you think of that new intro there, Wackerly? It's pretty badass. I know. It was kind of cool. I had to have my dad come over to my house. Well, you know he's in town for Thanksgiving, so I had to have him come over to my house and record that for me. I didn't think he would do it. A genuine English accent for the show. It's finally. kind of a weird hybrid Jewish well, English accent, he, though. Wasn't he born in England, then moved to South Africa, and now lives in the Midwest? No, he was born in England, and he moved here when he was like in his 20s. Oh. So, when did yeah. he move to South Africa? Well, with the family. That was like in 1980. So we grew up there, we moved back. Yeah. But he's always had this kind of weird accent. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sick and Wrong. <laughs> I, 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 I love doing it. Well, uh, Wackerly, it's the, finally, we've reached the 100th episode of Sick and Wrong. Isn't that unbelievable? It's quite a feat. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I, I'm just, dude, it's been almost like two years. Yeah. It's like two years. I know. Doing Sick and Wrong. I, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard for me to fathom that. Because then you start thinking, why do we do this? And I don't have a good answer to that question. I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm struck like, dumb by that question. You know, we've uh, there's been a lot of hype because we've been talking about the hundredth episode for quite some time now. People, you know, people have been curious as to what we're going to talk about, what we're going to do. You know, there's been all this like hype and build up for this episode. Definitely. So what we decided to do is we're doing an interview with uh, someone who I've been trying to get on the show for a while, and uh, it's you know the hundredth episode is a perfect time for him to be on the show. His name's Neil Smither. Uh, you might have heard of him. He's the founder and president of Crime Scene Cleaners, which is an East Bay company. Yeah, that, uh, Marinda. Yeah, from Marinda. And since 1996, they've been cleaning up crime scenes, suicides, houses filled with animal feces, meth labs, et cetera, et cetera. They're headquartered in Orinda, and now I guess it started out as just like a, he started in his house with like his Geo car, I think. I think he just had like a Geo or something. Geo isn't even around anymore. I don't yeah, know this is like back in the 90s. Is. But he started this uh, company just like out of his house, and now he has like 18 offices throughout the U.S., and, uh, but he's, I think the head, it's headquartered in the Bay Area. It's your one-stop shop for any disgusting foul mess you have well i think it's like like if your son is you know decides to like hang himself while masturbating ends up dying inside or, his meth lab that he made in your bathroom <laughs> yeah you call up neil he comes over and cleans it up for you yeah so it, yeah, it's, well, and he charges you a pretty penny he's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart <laughs> no it's a business he's, yeah. he's he's making a profit here but it's definitely a unique business and it's it's kind of cool to have him on the show so let's give him a call and uh yeah let's let's talk to neil here Hey Neil, it's uh, D and Lance from uh, Sick and Wrong. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. Hey man, uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show, and I hope we're not disturbing anything. Are you Are you working today? Cool. I kind of always work. I'm uh, my, every Saturday night. My family and I stay on our boat, so we're in Emeryville eating dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm glad you had a chance, a moment to talk with us. Which is kind of good. Did Did you uh, end up working on Thanksgiving? Did you have a good holiday? Uh, yeah, it was it was good. We definitely worked. Yeah, we're doing figure about a week uh, before Thanksgiving into after January. We're we're busy, busy, busy. 
Well, I've always heard that the uh, holidays is, I guess, because uh, you, you clean up a lot of um, suicides. I've heard, like, the holidays. Is that true? Is one of the highest times for suicides? Yeah, definitely. Suicides definitely pick up. Accidental deaths or undiscovered deaths pick up as well. Elderly, generally. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot of drinking going on, which also probably leads to accidents. Yeah, that sounds leads like. to a lot of it, too, of course. Yeah. So, uh, Neil, just sort of a little background here. Your company's called Crime Scene Cleaners. Uh, how long have you been around? When did, the, when did you start the uh, company? Uh, June 2nd, 96 was when I got our business license. We incorporated about a year after that. So you guys have been around for about 11 years, and it's, it's grown. You started as a home business, am I correct? Yeah, I started it all. You, you bet. I started Geo Metro and home-generated computer literature and started selling. And so now you've grown to where it's a national company. You have offices throughout the states? Well, we have 18 offices. Um, you know, I try to get this in high populous areas, and it really allows me better coverage for our national accounts, and we solicit for everyday business in those markets as well, and, you know, just try to get a little bit of all of it. But you guys are headquartered in the East Bay? Yeah, we're in Orinda, California. Okay, that's where that's where it all started. So what, what was your inspiration I mean, like, what, what inspired you to start? Like, how'd you get into the crime scene well, cleaning business? Well, death itself, I mean, I'm, I'm really, crime scene cleaners now owns a lot of other companies that are involved in death. But death is really my game. But to get to the point, I was I was waiting to become a mortician. And, and uh, I was watching Pulp Fiction, and they shot the guy in the car and brought the wolf character, Harvey Keitel character in. and The jackal. Was he called the, I, I the wolf? I knew immediately I could, yeah, I could start a business. And so, what what was your first like? What what did you end up doing? Did you uh, go to police stations and like circulate flyers or? Yeah, I, I went to mortuaries. I did some some simple literature on my computer, and you know, uh, under promised and over delivered, and and it just kind of steamrolled. It you know, don't get me wrong. It took me a year to get our first job. Oh, it took you about know? a year so to get the word out. More than anything else, it was just not quitting. <laughs> yeah, perseverance. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a question. What um, what was what were people doing before you were around? Are there other companies that do this, or uh, alternatively, sort of a similar line of questioning? What do people do in towns where you don't operate, or nobody, you know, there there isn't a company like yours uh, around to to do these types of cleanups? Well, I think historically, before companies, and still today, I mean, there's there's jobs and. Where friends and family and you know acquaintances will take care of that mess, and and that's exactly what they have to do if there's no one close by. They you know they man up and do what they got to do. <laughs> Bring it, bust out the Clorox and sponges, I guess. Yeah, I mean realistically, the the only difference from from our cleaners to any other kind of like Clorox exactly is it's not going to destroy your property, and it's effective specifically for biohazard for pathogens. So I always thought that the, it is a strong stomach and a strong mind. Yeah, definitely, yeah. A, definitely a strong stomach. I, I always thought that the police had crime scene units that did the cleanup, but is that not true? The police? No, not at all. In fact, they don't touch it or or really or refer to do the liability. So if you if their your house is a mess as a, a result of some crime, they kind of just leave it to you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so you got to deal. So what type of customers? I mean, do you have? Largely, like, do you do you mainly have like the like police departments calling you, or is it just private citizens? It's it's the whole gamut of, of all. And we get uh, private property, we get into homeowners, we large hotel contracts. It's you know it happens everywhere, especially now. So we just try to 
you know, when you turn around to hear about us. So what's a typical cleanup? Like like this past week, what have, what have you done? Like what's on average, what type of calls do you usually get? Our most common is, is definitely going to be natural death. You know, they're at home, they die, they don't get found for a day or so. Or they get found and you just have, you know, concerned, you know, family members who want a, a potential mess cleaned. And, and very close second is suicide. And, you know, we're, we're now known, we're still established now that we're really known for doing jobs that are not necessarily death or just super extreme cleanups. Uh, we have one going right now that's just a mind blower. It's in Marin County and the guys, I mean, I've done garbage houses, but this place is full and it's, you know, it's a very large house. We've gone through 1140 yard dumpsters so far and we anticipate probably six more. So the guy is a hoarder? Yeah, oh, to the extreme. I mean, it, this is, in this 12 years, I've done probably three, 400 garbage houses and this is by far the worst. So when you say garbage house, it's just this guy just it's just his whole house is filled with crap? I mean, quite literally, it's full of everything from raw garbage, foodstuffs, to, you know, rooms that are just full of lottery, you know, stuffs that you would fill out at the store with a pencil. Jesus, did the guy, does the guy still live there? No, he, he they, they 5150 him, you know, did a welfare check on him, he's now in a home. Oh, okay, so the landlord kicked him out, and they called you up because he's like, "Our the house is full of shit, and exactly. we got to clean right. this up." What about meth labs? I heard you do a lot of cleanup with uh, meth labs. That oh people... man, yeah, we do a lot of them. Um, we don't solicit meth for the public, primarily for our national hotel chains, but they're nasty. I mean, you have no idea what that drug can do to as far as a byproduct to any kind of property. It, it just quite literally destroys a home. You know, mom and dad aren't anticipating because little Johnny's in there cooking dope that they're going to have to lose every stitch of everything in their house because of it. What is it, just the chemicals? Oh, yeah. I mean, red phosphorus, uh, alkalines, uh, I mean, you name it. And, you know, there's nothing saying that you're going to have a huge problem with your safety, but that one red phosphorus job and little baby tallies crawling on the carpet and they didn't (laughs) clean it right it'll burn her right to the bone. At, the, at that point, when you're cleaning up a meth lab, is, is it hazardous to you guys? I mean, are you guys wearing, like, encapsulated oh. suits, or how far you how far do you go for for protecting yourself? Well, a lot of it is definitely predicated upon the severity of the job, but at a minimum, we're wearing some respiration and some covering. You know, a Tyvek suit is the trade name most people know. Um, gloves, boots, and, and, you know, a respirator at the very minimum, up to and including... You know, self-contained breathing apparatus, which would be, you know, the basically a scuba tank. <laughs> a scuba tank attached to you. Well, I mean, don't you encounter a lot of like infectious material, like or like Hep C or HIV? Because I mean, with the Absolutely. blood. Absolutely, and we go into jobs assuming that the client is positive for all of it. Yeah, you probably have to. Right? I mean, it's it's blood, but it's sure not my blood. Yeah. So so, 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 so how much do you charge generally for your services? Uh, generally, you know, we don't have a max. I mean, we have done, done jobs into the tens and tens of thousands, but our everyday happy medium is is from about a hundred bucks to about eight hundred bucks. Oh, okay, so about that's, a- that's for the whole the whole bowl of wax. You know, it's the cleaning, the disinfecting, deodorizing, disposing, everything. So tell me, for a suicide, let's say some like little Johnny blows his head off with a shotgun. What type of cleaning is involved in there? Like, do you have to pick up bits of skull and brain? Oh, absolutely. It, it, uh, it's 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 there's just an immense amount of energy in a gunshot and it, it has to 
escape. So it explodes their melon like a melon. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it goes all over. The, the hard part is, you know, if the longer it goes, the harder it is to clean. Brain dries like concrete. I mean, it's it's almost like a marble. It, it's just incredibly difficult to clean it without destroying the property. So you got to really have effective chemicals and. That's really what we're about. Our chemicals are super effective. So are the families present while you're cleaning? Sure. A lot of times we prefer it that way. That way there's, you know, if there's no one around, inevitably someone's screaming that a watch is gone or an earring is misplaced. And I would prefer to avoid that. I like having the family in the other room and, you know, they can see us going in and out. They know we're not dirt bags. But I mean, are they emotionally distressed? Are they? Oh, all the time. So do you just kind of like, I'm going to go in there, do the job, and just get out? We absolutely try to become as invisible as possible. Yeah. Yeah, we do our thing, and then, yeah, we get the heck out. So have you ever refused to do a cleanup? Has a job been, like, so severe that you're like, you know what, I'm going to have to pass on this? No way, man. I mean, we charge on severity. I, You know, I want a job where we have a, a mass suicide, and they all had 17 cats. They sat for 14 days. The cats ate them, and then the cats died. <laughs> I want a bad job. Uh, did, did the cats start eating the corpses? That does happen, yeah. We've had several uh, garbage houses where they had animals, and the animals, you know, there's nothing for them to eat. So they they start eating whatever source is there, and guess what? It's Grandpa. Protein. Uh, so so you must encounter a lot of, like, maggots on the job. Oh, yeah, I hate maggots. They're, they're just disgusting. I mean, so what? what is like the maggots are just feeding on the corpse? Sure, absolutely. It's a, it's a food source. You bet. So in that situation, what oh, do you do? Do you just kind of bag up the corpse and you're like, I'm tossing it outside or straight into the dumpster? No, man. It's uh, big trouble for that. The, yeah. the corpse is usually, is it there still? Or is the corpse the one thing that the cops or the, the, the medical people do take that, don't they? Well, it depends on the nature of the death. I mean, if it's a suspicious death in the coroner is generally going to take it, but... You know, my company has the coroner contracts in this area, so my, my other division would come and, and remove the body. And, and you know, if there's a mess, obviously they're going to refer my other company. So, so I've, I've heard that uh, obese people melt when they've well, been, like their body starts purges. to melt. Everyone purges. But, you know, the fatter you are, the more purge you got. <laughs> so it's, and and that, is, uh, that is exactly the problem with the cleanup. That's what we address. And... It's not so much the blood, it's the cerebral spinal fluids and the cranial fluids, they can be quite dangerous, you know? And, and the fatter the person is, the more fat they expel, and it's tough to clean. So the fat just kind of oozes out of your orifices and through your skin and everything, I guess? Absolutely. Your, your body is extremely porous, and, you know, obviously the major holes are going to do most <laughs> of the leaking, but uh, your skin is, is really a sponge, and it just kind of soaks it up. That's Have you ever been contacted by that guy who does the Dirty Jobs show? On uh, I guess it's we the, shot video with him. It's never going to hit the air. It's yep. too it's too nasty for for <laughs> yeah. TV. For that show, it is for sure. <laughs> did, did you did you do a you were on Insomniac with Dave Attell? Yeah, I sure was. And, but was he allowed to film like the cleanup? Oh yeah, we got we. I generally, if we have a problem with a customer letting us in, I waive the price, and it's immediate. It's amazing how compliant they get with, you know. Yeah, as soon as the uh, price is waived, they're like, all right, come on in. Here, here's grandma. So exactly. Did David Tell get sick? But like, it, you know, they still fuzz it out. <laughs> so did David Tell get sick? Like, did he puke? No, no, he, he's, he's acting. Have you ever had any employees, though, just totally, like, walk oh, in and be like, sure. I got a hurl? 
after my sister was my first uh, real employee, and yeah, she, she chunked in a house once. But, <laughs> you know? Then you got to clean that up. Yeah, but the first week of training with us, we're trying to make you stick and make it as hellish on you as humanly possible. So do you have like an employee screening process? Like where, where do you get uh, your employees from? Well, now we kind of hire from within. I mean, I have a big enough company now where I can hire from within, so it's it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, all of them go through live scan, background checks immediately. Their driving record's got to be perfect. they got to be at least 25. Oh, okay. You know, it's just, and even then, you know, we're lucky to have someone make it eight months with us. So you have a high turnover rate where people oh, are just like, yeah. I can't deal? Big time. Well, I think a lot of people are like, you know, infatuated with it with you know there's a lot of people that are into like morbid type of death type of thing and they think that they're like you know what i could do this and as soon as they actually do it that's when they get scared off yeah death is definitely the, the last big unknown you know it is it's it's the hangnail theory you know you don't want to play with that hangnail but you got to you can't help yourself it's the same thing with death and uh, as far as the work goes i think that you know i think that they hear press and they just think it's this glamorous thing and it you know, it's super disgusting, it's very physical, and the hours are hellish. I mean, you know, we work a five-day, 24-hour shift, and, you know, you're working 12, 14 hours every day. So are all of your employees on pagers or on call where you call them in the middle of the night if, if they have to come out and do something? Exactly right. So are you at this point completely desensitized? Like, can you go home right afterwards, eat dinner with the wife, and be like, you know, baby, let's go and happen today at work. Dude, I can blow my nose on a wet rag while I'm eating Taco Bell standing in a pool of maggoty blood. <laughs> it <laughs> but, doesn't bother me anymore. But, I mean, it didn't start out that way, though. No, I, I, initially, you know, you're, you're more fascinated with everything. You know, you're trying to figure it all out and, you know, trying to be CSI itself. And, you know, after that, it's, it just becomes another mess, you know. You just want to clean it and get out. So does anything still shock you anymore? Like, have you ever been to a crime scene where you're like, oh, shit, this is just disgusting? Yeah, it's not so much the mess. It's, it's more the the mess of kin. I mean, they're uh, they're really pretty disgusting most of the times. You know, you got, I'll, I'll paint you a picture. You got grandma who has died on her kitchen floor. You know, her house uh -huh. is pretty filthy. She decomposes for 30-plus days. And then we get there, and we're dealing with the, you know, the distant next of kin who are in going through her crap like it's, you know, their birthright. And it's it's just yeah, fatiguing. It's got to be, I mean, it's got to change your, like, modify your outlook of humanity. Like, has it really affected your perception? Dude, I hate people. <laughs> I mean, I, I really do. I mean, we. I have got my life built now where, you know, we have our main facility, which is where my office is, and I nest in there, and then I immediately leave and go home, and I don't leave. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can't blame you there. I definitely can't fault you there. So off the top of your head, what, what's the gnarliest cleanup you ever had to do? I, I would say probably, uh, the, we, you know, you have a top ten generally, but my the one that I really refer to is the big fat guy on the couch. You know, he, he overdosed, suicide overdose, left a note, and... It was one of my first three jobs, but I had no clue what I was doing. Were you just working alone then? Yeah, I was alone, and, and uh, this guy was on a hide-a-bed couch, and on the bottom of this thing was, uh, you know, plastic sheeting of some sort that was 
almost watertight until I lifted it on end, and it just released a torrent of just incredible juices, and, you know, I just, it was immediate panic, you know? I'm imagining that scene from The Shining where the elevator doors open and just the blood gushes forth. It It almost makes me want to puke. It it was really bad. I mean, it's, I, frankly, I got lucky. I was able to fix, and I was able to tap dance my way into fixing it, and I got out, and I learned a lot, you know? I read that you guys uh, took care of the cleanup at the Heaven's Gate uh, suicide house. You know, that was one of my first two or three low actually. Like everyone else watching the news going, holy crap, a bunch of nuts. And I figured, well, goddamn, it's got to be a mess, you know? So I was able to get his attorney, their, their attorney on the phone. And, you know, I volunteered to come down and take care of anything they needed help with. So I flew down the next day and had a panel truck follow us down. It was in Southern California somewhere? Yeah, it was San Diego County. So how did they die? Did they take poison or did they... Yeah, they, they juiced. Oh, okay. You know, like a, a, a Jim Jones type of thing. You so, didn't notice any UFOs or anything while you were there cleaning up? Any what? Any UFOs? Any UFOs? They were maybe a little late or something? <laughs> they were spaced out enough to commit suicide. Let them believe it, shit. How many bodies were there there at, at at the Heaven's Gate house? Yeah, I don't I don't know. We weren't exposed to that at all. I, we we ended up taking four or five mattresses because they they did it over a, a, a you know a, an amount of time. So one group would do it, they they die, and then the next group would go. So there were different stages of decomposition on certain mattresses. Uh, okay, how long? I mean, how long were they dead before anyone called the police? It was it was some of them were dead a while. There was some pretty decent decomp, but. Most of the stuff we took was just a couple of days. You know, I've also read Neil that you um, you worked at the uh, you you cleaned up at the Sausage Kings plant. Yeah, that was here in the Bay Area. He sure, yeah, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but you know, he he ran a sausage place, family business, and it wasn't the cleanest place. And the inspectors were getting on him to get it cleaned up, and he snapped and you know shot him, several of them. Did he just he killed three government inspectors? Yeah, right? yeah, he killed three and wounded I think two or three others. He didn't grind them into the food, did he? he no, he them sausage? down the street. <laughs> oh, so what did you have to do at the plant? Did you have to go in there and just clean up the he, bodies? He started shooting inside the plant, so there was blood in there. Not to mention just the the meat products that needed to be cleaned, and you know, I was poor little ninety year old mother, you know, crying. It was it was a pretty bad scene, and he got death row, I think. Oh, is he on death row? Yeah, I think, in fact, I think they've executed him at San Quentin. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't, didn't even know that. Yeah. So, um, have, has anyone ever called you instead of calling the police? One, Yeah, one time. He uh, also, I think they put him on death row as well. It was the gentleman that, you know, killed his wife and then pushed her down the steps trying to make it look like an accident. I think it's so- any of that. You know, he called us to clean up the stairwell, and it was just a funky scene, so one of the managers called it in. So, uh, oh, wait, he called the police, and you yeah. guys didn't even go over there? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Well, uh, Neil, you know, I, I, I'm going to let you go. I want to th- thank you for uh, being on our show. You're kind of the perfect uh, guest yeah, for our show. Yeah, you're the perfect guest for here for Sick and Wrong. But I want to hype, you guys have a website that people can come check out, find out information yeah, about Crime Scene Cleaners? CrimeScenecleaners.com. Crime Scene Cleaners. And I also heard that you guys have a documentary out. Uh, well, it was shot a while ago. It was It's a European piece. Um, Channel 4 in London shot it. You can get it online. I, I think it's for sale. I don't know. You know, I don't own it. We just shot it with them. So did they just... Very like, entertaining. Did they ride around with you with a camera? Just kind of... Yeah, for a year. Oh, for a whole year? 
Yeah, it was a long shoot. Oh Jesus! They must have had they must have had some exceptional footage though. Oh, they have thousands of hours of just just from the most mundane to the most incredible stuff you've ever seen. So, um, just for someone who's aspiring, I guess, to uh, maybe get into the crime scene cleaning your business, how would someone like apply to uh, one of your companies? Like apply to be uh, the, an employee. The best way is to hit us on the website. There's the contact you know page, and that comes directly to me and. You know, if we contact you, we contact you, and if we don't, we don't. It's just kind of how it works. If we need people, we generally send out feelers. But we get, I mean, we literally get bombarded with applicants. So it's, it, I really try to hire from within the, the corporation. And Someone that you know. Yeah, you know, it, it's, otherwise you just get a wacko gore freak who makes it about a week, cost me a grand, and leaves. I mean, it, it, but typically, like the type of employee, I guess that that you have is it is it someone that's into the gore thing, or is it someone who's like I've, you know, I'm studying mortuary science? No, you know, my mainly man, it's, it's generally kind of the the country boy type who just has an incredible work ethic and you know just wants to get in there, do his job, and go the hell home and not be bothered. You know, it's a strong stomach. Well, Neil, I hope you write a book one day because I'd be fascinated <laughs> to hear. I'd be fascinated to read your memoirs. We'll see. I'm not nearly done yet. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on Sick and Wrong. It's been a great interview. You got it. Have a great night, guys. All right. Take thanks, care. Neil. Now, that guy was really cool. Yeah, definitely. You know, We've done some other interviews, but that is the... Of all the interviews we've done, that one most fits into our niche. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, that guy has to be, like, the perfect, like, the exemplar of a sick and wrong interview. Yeah, and he says he hates people, but he seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> I know, you know, it's, it was interesting, like, how candid he could be. Yeah. Just, just t talking about something that's just, like, you know, just so atrocious. <laughs> like, something that no one even really ever, like, thinks about. Yeah, he's a model of American entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> yeah i mean it, it blows my mind like i had read that he was like working as a i think a mortgage banker or something and then he got fired and was kind of looking for a career change and yeah. made a dramatic shift yeah. you know one thing i should have probably asked him i was wondering like what the family thinks of his career choice i mean he said his sister worked for him yeah uh, for a little while it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know what i'd be hard pressed to find another guest that would be that perfect for sick and wrong yeah you know, when he's perfect for the 100th episode. Yeah. When he agreed to do the show, I was just like, I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to save him the interview for the 100th episode. Yeah. You definitely. know, I think you can find the interview he did with Dave Attell on uh, online. I think he's also on this American life. The guy's had a lot of media exposure, but um, yeah, we'll have to put a link up to his website and there's a great picture of him that uh, we'll have to post as well. Now his name is Neil Smither. Neil Smither, not Smithers. Of, but a lot of the articles I read online, they got his name last name wrong. They kept calling him Smithers, which must be really annoying. Yeah, because it's kind of like the uh, the dude in The Simpsons. Right. You don't want to be compared to that guy. No. No. Well, it was great. It was great to have uh, Neil on, on the show. Well, people, this is the 100th episode here of Sick and Wrong. And, uh, you know, I want to tie some uh, undisclosed matters. You know, we've been doing the show for two years. People still have questions about us. And uh, they, they still... Uh, Send us a lot of email. Uh, one thing I want to do before we get out of here is I want to hype or actually uh, thank uh, the uh, Midwest Corporate Underground Clan, the MCUC. Who, um, the McCuck. We, yeah, the McCuck. <laughs> we, we've discussed them on the show many times. They're from Indiana, 
and uh, they love the show. And John from the uh, MCUC spearheaded an effort to kind of come up with stats for Sick and Wrong. And I think we mentioned it before. Yeah, well, they've been working on it consistently for a while now. It blows my mind. The guy sent me a 30-page Excel document with stats for every single show that we've done. So all one, like all 100 episodes, he tallied up the figures as who won, about how many times I've won, how many times you've won, the listeners, the stats about every country yeah. with the number I, of homicides. Well, blows we, my mind. We have the one guy who's the main contact, and, and you keep saying that he did this, but I kind of assume because they are in this corporate world of cubicle dwelling that he probably delegated this to somebody, you know. <laughs> hey, do you got that report done yet? He's probably a manager. Work, yeah, you're going to have to work this weekend and get that done. You know, I, I, I would wager that there are probably at least like 10 people working on this project. Right. So you, at your job, you kind of work in a corporate world where you have to digitize pornography yes. day in and day out. But I kind of think that this job would be worse, <laughs> having to listen to just multiple episodes of Sick and Wrong every and take, day. And record figures and, and make stats. notes and, and, yeah, tally it up. It just sounds horrible. You know what, Owen? All the jobs that I've had in my adult career... <laughs> I've never actually had to make an Excel spreadsheet like this before. <laughs> oh, I have to do this kind of stuff every day. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. That, so that's why I think you should share these stats with the listeners. So in general, like just to sum it up, who who's won the most episodes? I think that's the question on everyone's mind. Well, it's kind of crazy. And, and I... We should post this, though. We, we should post definitely it. post this. I can't this. even believe it, but... They've this report is current as of episode ninety seven, so this doesn't include the most recent episodes. But as of ninety seven, we're tied. As of ninety seven, we're tied. As of episode ninety seven, you've won thirty six, and I've won thirty six. So that's seventy two episodes. I guess that means that twenty five of the episodes have been won by the listener. But isn't that crazy that we're we're tied after all these episodes? You think I... one of us would pull forward? You know, I'm kind um, this of, would be a huge upset if it were like a football or basketball game. We'd I'm have slightly to go into disappointed. OT. I'm slightly disappointed by this because I thought over you know over the the weeks and weeks of doing sick and wrong that I've been kicking your ass consistently. That's not true. Apparently, I'm wrong. Right. This surprises me. So I guess, uh, and you know, what's interesting too is people have pointed this out that we tend to pick different styles of articles. Right. And different you know, people enjoy different styles of articles. So it's all about. Whose faction is comes out in more strength? Uh, you know, yeah, get then, out the vote effort like they do for the politicians. But so, it, it, all in all, we're tied at thirty six episodes apiece, and listeners have won twenty five, which I find I find kind of surprising too. Yeah, and they that, actually, uh, we will post this because you can. It's really a summary of every show: the score, uh, what the listener submission or who the who the listener submitter was, what they scored. Uh, what the Brown Star scores we gave to them, because yeah. you know that doesn't always match the uh, the listener votes. And then also, I I will point this out: uh, there is a they ranked which states and also alternatively which countries most of the stories came from. See, that's another fascinating aspect of this right. uh, this report. So, which state in the U.S. had the most, I guess, like uh, second wrong stories? That would be. California with 27 stories. What's uh, second? Uh, second is Florida, which we always thought was the worst. But, but we, we're from California, so we get a lot of the California stories before anybody But not else to mention California is the most populous it's state, so it makes large. sense. Uh, number three is New York. Uh, number four is Ohio. Actually, New York and Ohio, uh, those two states are tied. 
Um, as far as the countries, I don't think they, they didn't. They didn't include the U.S., but well, the, I think we do the most. US, the U.S. would win, obviously. Well, because, primarily we do domestic stories. Right. So. But the, uh, the, ne- the highest out of the non-U.S. countries was the U.K. Right behind that was Australia. Uh, China, number three. Germany, number six. Down at the, and then there's a bunch tied at the bottom. We've done one story each from Italy, New Guinea, which I think is Papa New Guinea. <laughs> Uh, Chile, Indonesia. Japan, northern Gaza. Is that really a country? Isn't it Israel? No, you they remember haven't, you haven't did... given it back to them yet, have they? Yeah, I think it's still Israel. The Jews still own Gaza. <laughs> I don't know. Is that Palestinian uh, state now? Yeah, I don't Puerto know. Rico, coast of Yemen, which I think is the country. Just I actually Yemen. remember the story you did about I, Gaza. I it was like a tidal shit. wave. It was like a shit tsunami. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. It's one of my favorite stories that we've ever done yeah. here in Sick and Wrong. But just for your father's sake, it's really yeah. Israel. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my dad would stop listening to the show if he heard us say it was a Palestinian state. We've only had one from Mexico. See, that surprises me. Yeah, and one from Finland, which was uh, episode 97. Yeah, it was a recent episode. So the UK... Is the second country that had the the most sick and wrong stories? Yeah, right after you know, the I thought States. Australia would beat out the UK because well, there was so two. much insane stuff that happens We've in Australia. We've done nine stories from Australia, fifteen from the UK, nine from Australia. But California is uh, the most sick and wrong state, so I yeah. guess that answered everyone's question. And it, it, like you said, it is the most populous. I've heard that it's the fourth largest but, economy. In but the we're world. also biased because we live here, so right. I think if if there's a home growing article like a hometown article yeah. we tend to do that if it's sick and wrong but you know it's, but it, you know it doesn't surprise me it is the largest state so but i wonder if uh you or i or both of us together and the listeners is going to look at this and now we're going to try and get stories that that even it out for other places well you know i think but we it's arbitrary i mean we just kind of find a story that we find sick and wrong That's i don't true. i don't even really, I know, look, I don't really yeah the, you know I. I don't really consider the location although if something happens in china i always look at it a little more closely because <laughs> yeah. that place is pretty fucked up there's one more figure though that i, I want to point out uh, they mentioned that wackerly received the most votes for an article in an episode i don't remember so so a single episode the most votes Ever Most received. people voted for my story. It was 118. Do you remember what that story? I don't was? remember the story. We're gonna have to look back. I'm sure one of the uh, MC, the, one of the McCuck people, could probably uh, point that out for us. <laughs> you know, this is an Excel file, as you pointed out, a big spreadsheet. But what this really needs is to be a PowerPoint slide presentation with charts and graphs, and maybe I could have a laser pointer. Can I have, oh, a, laser, yeah, can I have can, a laser pointer? You can, should have the laser pointer. Can the, the sick and wrong budget pay for my laser pointer? <laughs> We've sold enough t-shirts. We, can we, get gonna... you a, we, should, we should get you. The Reach Around Foundation should supply you with a laser pointer. Yeah, God damn so. it. So um, John also mentions in closing, as you guys know, the McCuck loves all your shows. But just for fun, I had the clan vote for our top three shows thus far. Really? I voted number one was episode 44, the Denise and Enterprise interview. You remember that? Denise was the prostitute we well, had on here. I was gone. But, <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that they liked the episode that, la- <laughs> that I was not involved in. Thank you. I uh, voted number two was episode 50, which is the sharing of arrest stories. Uh, that, that was, was actually one. entertaining. That yeah. was entertaining. Big uh, JR came on. The voted show. number three was the uh, episode sixty, which was the Big Jeff interview. Which so is, it, those were all special episodes. They were all special episodes. 
So, uh, yeah, you know, you do something different. You're, yeah. It's out the of the routine. The special episodes are generally, as this episode was, a pain in the ass to do because it's not our we're, – we're, we have the routine down. We can do a regular show. Just, Dude, I could bust out a sick and wrong episode in my sleep. Right. If I had the flu, I could still do it. But the special episodes, they're always you always have to get the people to coordinate their schedules. It sucks, but I guess people like it, so – fine so it works so we should continue doing this in the future um we also got another interview or another message here from uh steve who was a former member of the mccuck and uh did he quit or something (laughs) yeah steve i actually went to law school so i think he quit the uh, midwest corporate underground clan i think he's still in the clan but i don't think he works at the company anymore he's more of a consulting member now he he comes in every once in a while when there's a problem um he says that uh uh, speaking of John, he sent me a copy of the spreadsheet he made that retrospectively documented all of your episode. It's really good. I, you know, I agree with him. It's amazing. I remember when I worked at the same company as John before I started law school. So, yeah, formerly he used to be a member, active member of the McCuck. We'd be skating on thin ice sometimes with our bosses when we would discuss your show at our cubicles because, one, voices carry. Two, there's a certain level of desensitization that occurs when you listen to Sick and Wrong. (laughs) Rape, murder, and bestiality, which is your favorite, don't register as words not to use in an office within the first minute of turning off your iPod. Yeah. You know, it it amazes me that they could actually discuss the show in an office setting. I think this office that they work in, which, by the way, I'll repeat that I'm glad I'm not a shareholder of this company (laughs) because it sounds like there's a lot of shenanigans going on. But uh, maybe they need an orientation tape that, that you know they have to watch on your first day that tells you not to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I wonder like how many of these guys, members of the clan, have been sent to human resources. Like, yeah. send that guy to HR for a talking need, to. They all need to go for a day long seminar on why they're fucked up. Well, you know, I kind of envision this like large room with you know numerous cubicles that you know kind of uh, organized like num- numerous cubicles laid out we've and all so, worked there and we've all worked there i still work there and these guys are in this one section they're sitting there talking about this dude who got fucked to death by a horse yeah and then you know miss johnny Lunchpail over there just kind of raises his head and is just like you guys talking about bestiality <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I just wonder like how how often they get busted you know, I, I wonder about that. So Steve ends us here. He says, I just want to say that John did a great job in creating a sick or wrong spreadsheet on the company's time. <laughs> and you know what? I second that. Thank yeah. you, John. And thank you, the whole Midwest corporate underground clan for putting together that spreadsheet. And we're definitely going to have to post that on yeah. the uh, we'll, we'll post that on the website so everyone can see. Um, thanks for sending that in. Maybe make a PDF out of it. <laughs> yeah, we should make a PDF out of it. Uh, we got another email since this is uh, the 100th episode kind of lands around the holidays well it's the holiday season it's the holiday season uh another guy wrote in here he said d my daughter my daughter's teacher's jewish her name's mrs katzinger and my wife is buying everyone christmas gifts and doesn't know what to do for mrs katzinger he said i told her that i was unsure about the protocol with jews at christmas but i was pretty sure that the christmas present may not apply I also said that uh, you have to purchase her eight Hanukkah gifts, and I think I made the situation worse. Help me. <laughs> Please advise my wife on how to handle the situation. Signed, Sean. Uh, you know, Sean, you're right. Jews hate Christmas. We killed Jesus for a reason. Okay? We hate Christmas. So, because you know you what? Like, because you like Easter? <laughs> no. Well, you know, we, we wanted them to come back and... Uh, 
you know, start saving all of humanity. Yeah. No, dude, we, we don't like Christmas. We rue the day Jesus was born. Well, you're Christians are a pain in on, our ass. Be be honest, you're you're jealous of Christmas. Okay, I am. <laughs> if you want to get down to it, if you want to get, if you want to understand the psychology behind what I just said, yeah, I am jealous of Christmas. You, you wish know why? That you could have a tree in your house and clean up the needles, dude. I wish I could be bombarded with Christmas gifts from my parents. Because right. every year, Hanukkah. Yeah, okay, we get eight days of gifts. We get shitty gifts. We get a dreidel. We get a pair of socks. I think I've mentioned this before. Maybe a new shiny new yarmulke. My favorite is the chocolate coins. Yeah, the chocolate coins. That's a gift. (laughs) Because Jews love money. And then, you know, like to sum it all up, on the eighth day, we usually get our big gift, which was for me maybe like a Sega Genesis video game, which costs, what, 60 bucks? That's decent. I'd go over to my friend's house on Christmas, and he would have like seven box sets. He would have a new guitar. He would have like a PlayStation 3. Well, also, wasn't your friend in high school half Jewish and half Christian? So he got both. Well, no, they but they celebrated Christmas. They didn't celebrate Hanukkah. Oh, half right, Jews yeah. don't care why about would Hanukkah. You? It's kind of like you know. <laughs> but you know, I was but jealous. You got Christmas, why celebrate Hanukkah? And then it's not to mention, holiday. all my friends are busy on Christmas because they're with their family. So I'm just sitting at home. We're probably running movies, playing go your, get Chinese your Sega food. Genesis game. Yeah, I'm playing <laughs> my Sega Genesis anyways. game that sucked. It's like one of the golf games. Yeah, yeah, totally sucks. So yeah, okay, I do have some resentment towards Christmas. Okay. If that's what you're asking, I just want to, I, I want to make that clear. That but you know what though, I do. I do want to advise Sean on how to proceed here with buying her, her Jewish teacher a gift. You know what? Just get her a holiday gift. Buy her some chocolate coins. Isn't that kind of... Uh, get like, her a new dreidel. Isn't, isn't that... <laughs> Isn't that kind of like teasing to a Jew? Because you're like, oh, coins. And they're like, oh, it's just chocolate. (laughs) You got me. Jews are all pissed when they they realize it's not real money. (laughs) You know what you should actually do if you really want to be, if you really want to be a brown noser, get your daughter in good with a teacher, buy her a dildo. Yeah. You know, I think that's... Single teacher. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. That's what I say. But you know, you know what though? Uh, Buy her a gift. I think that's what uh, you don't, you don't want to single your daughter out as the Jew that's like abstaining from uh, giving gifts on Christmas because every other kid in there is going to be like Christ killer, Christ killer. You hate <laughs> no, Palestinians that, too. Would that be a vibrating dildo? Do, do chicks want just a normal non-vibrating dildo anymore? No, you you want a vibrator. I mean, who who uses just a normal dildo? Yeah, I guess they don't really. They're kind of out of fashion now, aren't they? It's like from the 16th century or something. Yeah, I guess you don't need. I guess you don't. Yeah, I guess like times have progressed now where you can go. You can get the unicorn dildo or the rabbit or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's almost not even enough to buy a normal vibrator. Now it's got to be some weird thing with prongs and knobs and. But when you buy it, Sean, wrap it in Hanukkah wrapping paper so you can distinguish that gift from the other Christmas gifts. What is Hanukkah wrapping paper like? The newspaper because you're too cheap to buy a wrapping paper? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I hope that helped you there, Sean. And uh, finally here, the last email we got, which is something I've been wanting to address because we get this email from time to time. Uh, Dan from Utah here sent this email. He said, you guys almost done 100 episodes. We still don't know what the fuck is the Reach Around Foundation. I think we did cover this at one you know, time. I thought we did in like a previous episode, like one of our the sponsor. early episodes. Yeah, so the Reach Around Foundation is our sponsor. Right. And we, we, we always mention the Reach Around Foundation. The show, they sponsor us. They put on Sick and Wrong. They provide us with the, uh, inc- with the money here to, to uh, buy equipment yeah, and to salaries. put on the show. The yeah. T-shirts they it pay us a pretty penny. But what the Reach Around Foundation does, just to rehash, it's a nonprofit organization. You can go ReachAroundFoundation.org. It's a nonprofit organization 
that basically brings barnyard animals, small animals, pe- animals that you'd zoo. find at a petting zoo, a petting zoo, to like hospitals that have retarded children that don't get to pet, you know, severely retarded kids. I'm talking about kids that are spastic and that can barely move out of their bed. Well, what they do is they'll bring in, they'll put a sheep or a goat on them so they can pet the sheep. Yeah, and they usually put a, one of those diapers on the goat so when it's walking around the hospital, it's not just shitting everywhere. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and the thing is, is it, it, it brings a little moment, a brief moment of happiness to these children's tortured lives. Well, we assume. They can barely communicate whether yeah. they're happy or not. And, you know, they do, and it's interesting that they would kind of branch out, diversify here by by supporting, you know, a, a, our, our disgraceful podcast. Yeah. But, well, you know, it's it's nice, though. It, it's actually, it's a co-worker of yours, so that's why, a former co-worker, so that's why I think the connection is there. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he could go to churches or, you know, autism support groups, but that would be preaching to the choir. I think he's trying to get the word out to people who maybe wouldn't normally support this type of an effort. I think it's funny when, uh, what's his name, Steve? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a long time since yeah. this week. He I know they contacted us recently, so I've forgotten his name. And the money stopped coming in a few episodes That's ago. That's true, also. But I, you know, what, you don't know what I think the turning point was is when the watershed moment was when uh, they asked us to do like a special presentation at one of the hospitals and come in and bring the kids. And I was like, you know what, I can't do it. I just don't want to sit here and bring a, a goat to a bunch of retarded people. Yeah. And it's I, not so much the goat that I don't want to be around. It's the retarded people. Well, I have better things to do. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a busy guy. Yeah. I mean, we, we do an episode once a week. Yeah. I, I don't I, have a whole lot of compassion. Yeah. I have video games to play. I have porn to look at. It, it, I don't have time to go and like bring some down syndrome kid, a chicken, No. you know, and, and I don't want to like, disparage the reach around foundation you know we appreciate their sponsorship but at the same time it's i think it's asking a lot it is we do you the know? show above and beyond the call of duty we advertise their program yeah well how could you ask us for above more and beyond the call of duty well uh people that was the hundredth episode of sick and wrong i hope you enjoyed listening and uh yeah you know what i can i think we can honestly say we'll have another hundred episodes in the future you think so, Wackerly? Can you make, I mean, look back just two years from now. A little bit. <laughs> two years from now, we'll be on the 200th episode of Sick and Wrong. Oh, Jesus. We do a social service, though. We've had so many people email us and say, if it wasn't for your show, I would probably be one of the, one of the uh, people in your stories. That kind of makes me want to stop doing the show <laughs> just to see the Armageddon that would ensue. I think people vicariously get a thrill, kind of like uh, violent video games. They vicariously get a thrill from hearing our stories. Yeah. It makes, it, it makes people self-satisfied because they can say, hey, you know what? I'm a fucked up person, but not that fucked up. At least I'm not that guy. Yeah, at least I'm not that guy. But, you know, we enjoy doing the show. And, uh, yeah, who, who's to say? Maybe we'll get 100 more episodes. And then we'll uh, have to think about what guests we'll have on for the 200th episode of Sick who's and Wrong. Who's to say? I think we should both just slowly be switched out like the new darrens in bewitched <laughs> it can be like one week it'll be both of us the next week it'll be sick and wrong with b Steinman and lance wackerly <laughs> then i'll slowly get changed out or uh, also you know that one daughter on the show roseanne got switched out and nobody said anything you know, I think they should get a couple of retards from the hospital that they bring the barnyard animals in just to do the show and see if anyone notices Nobody a difference. Nobody would notice. I don't think people would even have any clue. They'd be like, yeah, sick and wrong. Same show. <laughs> Episode 182. Yeah, just get a computer to spit out the stories. It'd be fun. Well, thanks for listening, and thank you for your continued support. And uh, we're going to end the show with, I guess, our inspiration, Weird Al, a Weird Al medley. 
Great. I think it's from uh, Dare to be Stupid. I've been waiting for this. Yeah, we love the Weird Al medley. Until next week, take it sleazy. Good night, America and the world.